0: Hey Matt, it's uh, always a pleasure to get together with you. And as you know, I'm the present CEO of Energy Fuels, uh, probably one of the most exciting uh, carbon reduction electrification plays I believe out there in the entire world.
1: Well, Mike, good to see you as always. I we saw you back at the beginning of October, but it's it's been all quiet. If you you're not you don't sound too busy at the moment. No press releases, no news.
0: No, it has been quiet, Matt, but it's not because we're not busy. And and uh, you know, quite the opposite to that. You know, we're we're advancing our plans. Um, every 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 day, we get more excited about where we're taking the company with all the great things that we're doing uh, with rare earths and uranium. You know, who would ever thought that um, you know it would it would be so market would be so supportive for reducing carbon emissions and focused on electrification? As I said, so. Um, yeah, we we um, it's been quiet, but but we certainly haven't been standing still.
1: No, you haven't. I mean, the share price is up thirty uh, percent since the last time we spoke to you, actually. Um, and the rare earth I do want. I want to talk about the rare earth bit in a second. But you you know you, you position yourself as us uh, US's number one uranium company, okay? And we've had people kind of write in to us and say, look, these guys are over one point seven billion Canadian. Market cap now. Um, they're not producing anything. There's no there's no cash uh, flow here. Um, will they? At some point, they're going to need to backfill the the valuation of it. So, the the, the qu- pointed question is: White Mesa Mill, you're going to need to feed that. Where is that feed going to come from? Have you got enough? Are you going to have to work with some of these other U.S. Uh, wannabe producers?
0: Well, Matt, um, the White Mesa Mill has been around for 40 years, and uh, I don't believe it's ever, it's, it's permitted for 8 million pounds of uranium. Um, the maximum it's ever produced is about 4 or 5 million pounds per year, so it's never ran at capacity. Do we have enough projects to feed the mill? Absolutely we do but not to, to, to produce 8 million pounds of uranium. So uh, we have about six permitted projects. When we talk about the LaSalle complex, um, that is, I think, four different mines in, 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 a, in a grouping. Uh, with this uh, divestment with CUR, we've got uh, three permitted projects there that uh, they're, I believe, planning to develop. Um, so no, we're in, we're in great shape with the mill. Uh, great shape with the mill, and also having the ability to feed the rare earths into the mill, as well as some of our recycling business. So, when it comes to where we secure our feed, um, we're going to deal with the people we want to deal with, and we won't deal with those that we don't want to deal with. So, um, but yeah, the mill has been undercapacitated from the day it was built. Okay,
1: so a couple of a couple of points there. One, so the question was, and. I'm going to assume you get the price that you want. You've always talked to us about 60, 65 uh, bucks, but assuming you get the price that you want, whatever that that may be, the, the six projects that you have, will will you would aim to produce how much a year from those?
0: Yeah. Well, with the right market conditions, um, with limited capital. We can produce initially about that one and a half to two million pounds per year uh, with long-term contracts. We have the ability to expand from there, but it'll take more capital. So um, yeah, right now, what we're looking at is, um, I mean, in the market seems to be coming to us as it is other uranium producers that have legitimate properties. Uh, you know, there's not a huge spread between, uh, you know, where the utilities are, I believe at this point in time and where it starts making sense. So Uh, we're seeing a pickup in um, uh, RFPs from various utilities. So, um, But yeah, our first rung is at one and a half to to two million pounds. We'll build that on a modular basis, probably in like 500,000 pound increments. Uh, And we have the ability to do that because we have multiple assets. Okay. Ready
1: to go. Okay, and you've also got done a deal. Um, In like fact, last time we spoke with Consolidated Uranium, you've got three projects with them, which you are going to be the operator of. Is that is that correct?
0: Well, yeah. Right now, we're the manager of that. Uh, I've joined the, the board with C U R, and 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 they're they're planning to do work on those properties right now, and 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 that's the main reason we divested them. Is that um, you know we have our priorities set on you know our assets. Our existing assets that remain and the rare earths, and we just didn't have time. So they're very excited about uh, getting going with with some of the uranium projects right
1: now. So that'd be nine projects, uranium projects that would feed into the mill. You've got your your the uranium component sorry, the vanadium component, and also the recycling component. That that's that's something we've talked about at ad nauseum in, in, in the past. So you feel that. That is as much as you need right now. However, the second point you mentioned there is there may be other parties outside of, uh, um, the consolidated uranium guys who may want to or need to use your mill. And we've, we've, we've had people like, uh, Western uranium, uranium say that they're going to use your mill. think you, you said to us last time, well, that's news to you and, and, and others too. So at the moment, have any, has any of those conversations begun? Any of those conversations advanced? If you have been talking to them, or, you know, are they are they going to be able to use your mill and give you the feedstock you need?
0: And we're having no discussions with anybody except with CUR. Right. Okay. So we look at we're we're we're, we're happy with the projects that we have. Um, the the focus that CUR is going to put on these other projects at this point in time. Now, does that change? Uh, it depends what the price of uranium is and the market itself, but uh, we're in very good shape with the assets we have or the relationship. Uh, you know, we'll we own nineteen point nine percent of CUR, and uh, at this point in time, that that's that's we're good. Okay, so the old
1: adage "he controls the mill, controls the district" applies. You're not rushing into any other relationships with any other producers, uh, potential producers outside of Consolidated
0: Uranium. Right, clear. Correct. Not at this time.
1: Got it. Okay. Now come back to my point about backfilling valuation at 1.7 billion uh, Canadian market cap. That's that's a big chunk of company there. Um, the markets got excited about uranium at various points during the year. I think vanadium is not so much on the agenda at, at, at the moment, but rare earth is. Um, you said you've been busy. You haven't been making announcements, but you say you've been busy. But busy doing what?
0: Yeah, well, busy advancing our strategy, and 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 and, and most of that focus has been on the rare earths, and and I mean, if you look at us and where we trade with the uranium peers, uh, we're still kind of in the middle of that, um, and you know, if, if 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 we're overvalued on uranium, then everybody else is overvalued, but they don't have the the, the rare earth. Component and and if you look at the the you know the main players in the rare earth business like the MP materials and the linuses and stuff I mean they're at like six seven billion in market cap they're huge and um and I think that's what re- reflects you know where we're trying to drive our bus here uh, with getting recognition that the rare earths are going to be a major contributor to our company's cash flows over time. And uh, and we still have uranium. So you know, if you invest in us, you're investing in a diversified opportunity for reducing carbon emissions and helping with electrification. So I mean, there really isn't any investment you can compare us to because of the way that we have these 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 two three opportunities. Actually, if you start looking at the the isotope uh, emerging isotope opportunity that nobody else has.
1: And you, I mean, again, we, we talked about the, the, the various points you've gone and uh, chosen to raise money. So, what, do you, what are you sitting on? I saw, I saw the Q3 numbers. It was whatever, 132 in, in, in cash and marketable security. So, yeah,
0: I mean, that's, that, that was our last reported release. And, uh, and again, that's assuming that uranium prices are, I believe, uh, $23 a pound and vanadium at five something a pound. So, if you adjust that to current price of uranium, vanadium, that, that 130 something is, is very conservative. And it also doesn't include the fact that, you know, we, we, we monetize these non-core assets uh, and some of the other tradable securities we have. I mean, we probably got another, in the order of $30 million of uh, securities as well on top of that. So, so we're in a very, very strong position. And um, so, you know, we're completely funded to do all the activities we need to do over the next couple of years as we pull this rare earth and uranium uh, sector together uh, in a way, as I said, that nobody else can
1: do right and you like i think you laid that out for me last time we spoke but I just, want, I just want to be really clear because you burned through a chunk of cash you burned through like eight million uh bucks in in q3 to advance the rare earth's component so i I'm intrigued by what you've done recently and what that's setting you up for in 2022 because you, you've got the cash to advance things but what have you actually done recently on the rare yeah, earth side? Look,
0: look we're still um uh, we're trying to secure the monazite for the front end. And, and I've said this before, we're talking to everybody out there in the world that's got either producing monazite or want to produce monazite. That hasn't changed. And, 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 and a number of these parties have, are kind of amping up their interest in, in the plan that we're putting together. Um, you know, I've talked about we're, we're making the carbonate. Um, we're shipping it to Neo in uh, Estonia at the Silmet operation. That's going very well. Uh, we're processing uh, uh, monocyte sands right now. Another new batch has come in from Kimor's. Uh, we're out there trying to purchase some monocyte as sort of a bridge. We're not limited. Um, the, if anything, the guys in the mill call me up and they say, hey, we need more monocyte sand," So we really need to fill that up. Um, and, uh, and we're advancing uh, the, the separations. And uh, we... We, um, we did some initial scoping work with, with CARESTERs out of France. We're looking at um, moving that forward in a much bigger way. Uh, the guys are doing separation at lab scale uh, with the chloride route right now, and they're building out another circuit for piloting for the nitrate route right now. So, um, you know, we're, we're advancing, we're starting to look at metals and alloys, uh, you know, when we say we're focused on full integration of the rare earth supply chain, we are looking at full integration at world scale.
1: Yeah. I, again, I guess as an investor, I'm, I'm, try, I'm trying to. I'm also dealing with some of the questions that have been sent in, right? So, you know, yeah, some people are like, oh, "Well, you know, White Mesa is not operating at full capacity," but on the other hand, businesses are about making money. Right. Money. Okay. More about the fact that you, money, money you can make, margin make, net profit you can make rather than are you busy being busy? So g- give, give me a sense of what it's like processing uranium versus processing rare earths and separating eventually in terms of margins. Cause you mentioned some, you, you know, you, you're putting yourself on, on the same, um, stand as, you know, um Mountain Pass or MP as it is now, uh Linus, et cetera. And these are multi-billion dollar companies. You're at the beginning of that journey. But to get there, you're gonna have to, you know, get stuck into the rare earth component. So can you give us a sense of sort of the economics, uh, even as a, a, a ratio or part, you know, how you want to do it? And I just want to understand how much more important is rare earth
0: within what I can talk about, Matt, obviously. But um, yeah, we're not where um, uh, Linus is at this point in time. I mean, when it comes to producing carbonate, we're actually ahead of Mountain Pass, you know, chemically producing the carbonate. But uh, <clears throat> so, excuse me, so we still have a, a lot of work to do. But, you know, look, we're, we're first and foremost a uranium company. But I believe that we can be a low quartile rare earth producer of world scale um, with the activities and, and the, the advances we're making at the white mace mill. On the uranium front, you know, we're never going to be competitive with Kazakhstan, okay? We're, 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 we're typically upper quartile, maybe sec, maybe third quartile. And so the biggest prize we have, in addition to the fact that we have the most, probably the the well, we've been the largest producer of uranium for the last several years. We got more assets fully paid for in the United States in the history of being the material biggest producer, second to Cameco in the United States. We've got that. We trade in that peer group, but we have the ability, I believe, to be low quartile on the rare earths at world scale. We'll never achieve that as a uranium producer. I mean, you've got the Camecos, you've got the Kazakhstan Proms. You know, you know, you know, they're in a different league than we are, and Everybody else in the United States, they're not going to be there either. So, um, yeah, so, so when, I, when I say what kind of margins, um, you know, right now, um, you know, our biggest margins are on the rare earth space with uranium also being substantial, but not at the same uh, sort of scale um, or opportunity of scale as compared to the rare earths.
1: Right. Okay. I, I think that's I think that's what people are sensing from from a story. So, uranium's going to make you money. Vanadium's going to make you money. But it, it, but and it's a nice solid business. It's the it's the biggest in the U, in the US for those things. But rare earths is an entirely different quantum in terms of margin. Hence the investment in in, in yeah. that using white mesa. That's that's what you're going for.
0: I believe our rare earth strategy that we're putting together is in another leak, right. and, and, and,
1: and just be, want to be clear. when you say um, lowest quartile producer, you mean lowest cost quartile, therefore in terms of maximizing the sorts of returns that you, you expect. So you guys must have started doing some numbers. You must have an indication and sense of what what this could look like. And I know you're not going to give me numbers, but I'm going to say it's definitely worth the investment for you is what what I'm hearing. But when do we get to know?
0: Yeah, look at again. I've got to be careful on disclosure, and um, but you know, as we've said all along, uh, people like Constantine Karinopoulos saying that the focus on monazite sands game changer. Okay, I don't think game changer would be an upper quartile. Um, you know, and, 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 and we believe that with the, the combination of the monocyte, the grades, uh, the processing costs, uh, the operating in the United States, um, you know, the fact we have existing infrastructure permits and all that rolled up with some of, uh, you know, sort of the initial uh, estimates that we've received from Carister on the build out of separation plant we think it all rolls up into a very, very nice and exciting package. But we have to show that we have the feed. You know, we can't promise returns when we haven't lined up the feed yet. But as I said, people get it. People that are producing monazite get it and they understand if they wanna decouple or partially decouple from China, right now we're the only game in town that can do it at scale. Okay, I,
1: I hear what you're saying on the, on that front. I think that you know we would love some sort of sense of the numbers, or get like to start to understand what what this thing could look like, even by inference or some you know peer, peer analysis type type work. Once you get the, so the once you understand how much monosite you, you you can get a hold of, and therefore how much you can process. But the, the other thing is, here, when I look back at the conversations we've had in the past with regards to uh, uranium and the U.S. government's and in, in, in involvement, you know, we've talked about U.S. Reserve, we've talked about Talked about them actually putting some money, um, in, um, to support U.S. producers, but nothing's really materialized. And those catalyst moments came and went. And once again, we're seeing, you know, U- U- Utah senators, or sorry, U.S. senators and in the, 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 this case, Utah senators, Mike Lee, Mitt, Mitt Romney get involved. We've seen, you know, when you, with your open day, you had big banks turn up. You have lots of investor interest. Is, has this moved to the point where those people are putting their money where their mouth is, or do, you know, are they giving you indications of how they'd like to get involved, or is it just still a watching brief for them?
0: Well, look, I think to a certain extent, even though with the, the Uranium Reserve, the, the funds were appropriated um, and they're there, and the DOE is trying to figure out how they would incorporate that, those funds into the reserve. Um, the market is is moving quicker than the government is, uh, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess, depending on how you look at it. So you know, the market tends to to be fixing itself, and and yeah, I mean, you know as well as I do that you know we took a, the leading role, I believe, in this whole uranium reserve, going back uh, three four years when the market was was less frothy than it is right now. But the market seems to be um, fixing itself, and I think that. Uh, the banks and and investors are coming in for the dynamics right now of what's happening right now and the interest with nuclear power, Um, you know, the the moves with small modular reactors, uh, the focus on decarbonization, uh, and then in our case, you know, the, um, you know, the the improvements and the focus on the rare earth sector. You know, when we got into the rare earth business uh, announced about 18 months ago, we were getting into it. The price of NDPR, the neodymium and praseodymium was like forty-five or fifty dollars a kg. It's now like hundred and fifty dollars per kg. It has gone up threefold in eighteen months. I don't think people really understand, you know, how uh, attractive the rare earth business is right now, and, and that's one of the reasons that that Linus and and MP have uh, performed so well. Is just that alone, and and the uranium business has also done very well, but it hasn't gone up threefold in the last eighteen months. Probably double, but not triple.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's a very interesting market there um, at the moment. It, well, here's here's a question for you with regards to the influence of Sprott and the uh, the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust is having in the market. Obviously, it it caught the eye. It caught the attention of many people. It can obviously drive uh, spot price up, which is great. brought um investors from outside of mining you know into the space and people got very very excited and it's always fallen away I think from most most uranium um, companies in the last couple of months um, as I think you know, Sput waits, waits to see if uh, when it's New York listing will happen, etc. But do you welcome a sort of synthetic financial overlay to, to this market? Do you think that helps other than the marketing fervor? I'm talking about the realities of the, the fu- functional operational component. Like, for instance, would you consider selling all of your production to an intermediary like SPUT and not deal with utilities? Or do you feel that they, you know, SPUT just needs to be part of the mix, not try and insert itself? Uh, Holy! How, how do you view them?
0: Well, look, I, I think the the, the Sprout Fund has been great. I mean, it's it's um, put a refocus on the market and supply demand, and then you know Kazatomprom saying that they're going to buy uranium as well too. Um, yeah, when it comes to our inventories, um, you know, we're we're looking at those inventories of of U.S. origin uh, that we produced. I always like to emphasize that. Um, you know, and, and how we look at that in terms of, uh, you know, various responses we make on RRPs, uh for, uh, you know, contracts um, or, or for looking for long-term contracts. But, you know, if, if, if it made sense for us to sell some to, to Sprott uh, or others, uh, you know, we'll consider that as well, too. I mean, it's interesting that if you look at, Uh, what we have, um, the uranium on our books at the prices that are included in our working capital last reported period, and the increase of uranium and vanadium, I mean, we've basically uh, gotten appreciation of our inventories that is, you know, equal to or approximately equal to our burn. So holding inventory has not been a bad place to be right now. Uh, And particularly when you look at the future, because even in that mid 40s, that's still not the replacement value of a pound of uranium. You know, you still need to get into the, you know, the 50s or the 60s to really get to a fair replacement value. So, uh, yeah, we're just kind of holding our cards with our inventory um, and uh, we'll see where it goes. But it gives us a lot of optionality. And as I said, it's been a good place to be with the increases in both uranium and vanadium.
1: It has, and, and, but I just, I just, again, I always wonder what, um, what, what changes in terms of the market dynamics when you've got a new entrant and it's a financial, I always refer to it as a sort of synthetic financial overlay. You know, could, could you move from a, well, it's obviously moving, obviously, um, from a buyer's market to a seller's market is, it's, it's in that slow transition period at the moment. But, you know, could this ever become a sort of wholesale, uh, market in the sense that, if you got someone like a spit, I'm not sure what what it's it's allowed to do or not, but if it could come and buy from producers wholesale hold and then sell into utility at a kind of re- retail price that would be it, it, it'd be interesting and awkward
0: yeah well, well Matt look at I've always said that speculative buying can end up to be speculative selling, okay. And if you look at the run-up in that 2006, six seven period where the price went to $135 a pound, you know, a lot of that run-up was speculative buying of stuff. Um, now, I don't understand all the dynamics and the, 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 the mechanisms of this, the Sprott um, uh, Uranium Trust, but um, it is my understanding that you know, they have some restrictions of how they would put that back out in the market at some time. And so I think that is good. Um, but I think what it does show, what it does show, and I think this is what's really quite interesting, that even though they bought a lot of uranium, um, I think it's starting to show that there's only so much uranium to really buy. You know, people talk about these big inventories and all that, and I think it's showing that there's only so much uranium to buy, and that's why you can tighten up the price of uranium um, with relatively, in the scheme of things. Small purchases.
1: And what, what about what about your? I mean, you're the CEO, right? So you you've got a lot of moving part, a lot more moving parts now, right? And you're potentially building something which is even bigger than the uranium. So uranium's good. It's 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 quartz. You know, it's a revenue generator for you. But will you be looking to appoint any new people to the board to help you um, with the different aspects of the of the business? I know we we talked several months ago that you've got some new advise advisory type roles, but not. Necessarily operationally,
0: yeah. Well, we're growing. We're growing. We're hiring people, and 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 we have to look at um, you know the entire business um, in a holistic way from the board down. So um, you know we're growing. Um, you know we're adding people. I had a, a new environmental person coming to my office today that was hired to help with some of the the permitting work and environmental uh, compliance work that we're doing. Um, so we're looking at it, you know, again, you know, we're, we're, we've been running very lean for a long time now. Uh, I have to say that with the, the people we have, um, people have been working really, really hard. And, um, and so, but we're looking at how and where we need to fill some of the gaps that as we grow, I mean, you know, we basically have effectively the same staff that we had when we were, you know, 100 or $200 million of market cap. Now we're well north of a billion U.S., um, so yeah, you got to be dynamic.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, look, Mike, um, look, we, we I don't think we've got time to talk about thorium or radium, uh, or, or, or other things like that. But, um, I just want to catch up because it's just for Christmas. Look, looking back, it's been a fairly dynamic year for you guys. Big idea being delivered. I'm intrigued uh, you know, the, 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 the path forward and what that looks, looks like. What are you looking forward to in 2022? What are the, what are the big moments for you?
0: Well, again, hopefully, uranium prices um, continue to rise, and we can sign some long-term contracts that makes sense for us. Um, and and then we start up some of our uranium properties, um, hopefully in in, in two thousand twenty-two or you know early in two thousand twenty-two. Um, I want to show our investors that this rare earth is real and that it is it's it's happening. And um and you know I've said this many times we. Think big. We think big, and uh, I I I cannot believe how blessed I am to have these two very exciting opportunities. You know, the two just being uranium and rare earths in my hands right now. We're thinking big. We are aggressive, but we're not reckless. We've got the right funds and the right people, and we're in the right space at the right time. And so I believe 2022 will be a very significant year for us and our shareholders. But we've got to connect a few more dots, and I think we will do that um, based on the the interest that we're having on so many fronts. Um, It should be, hopefully, a remarkable year, as this year was a remarkable year. But I really believe we'll be in a better position for people to understand our entire business model in 2022.